What is going down, everybody? What's happening? It's not politically correct, and it's the homie TS, aka C Nova. You know, I gotcha, and this is episode 91. You can find me on Twitter, and eh, nobody looks me up on Twitter. But I guess if you did want to look me up on Twitter, I'm at C Nova KPZ <laughs> McCoy. Uh, Pitch Pots. We always interact on Twitter. He's there. Please look him up, follow him. Um, it's your boy. <laughs> Real McCoy, a.k.a. Mr. What It Do, a.k.a. Young Splash God, a.k.a. No Cap Charlie, a.k.a. Smooth Job Johnny, a.k.a. Dope Dub Danny, a.k.a. FBI Mike, a.k.a. Uh, Hip Hop Harry, a.k.a. Hallway Jones, because your bitch has a ringtone and it's me. You can find me at uh, Real McCoy KPZ for Twitter, and if you have uh, Snapchat, find me at Real McCoy Rebel. Cody? Hi, I'm Cody. Uh, if I mean, I recording everything, but real. Wow. Okay. Somebody had their coffee today. Definitely. No, I don't know. Never sit, enough. He's going to sit down halfway. Russ? <laughs> Russ the barman, a.k.a. Teddy Russ, a.k.a. Smooth Fingers, a.k.a. Kid Universal, a.k.a. The Progenitor, a.k.a. School Wars 2, a.k.a. Russ the Bus. <laughs> hey, well, you can find me on the chatties of Snaps, as Thaddeus, Snap Chatties, and on... IG at Candy Community, C A N D I D underscore C U P I D I T Y. Idiots! Idiots! Why? Let's <laughs> <laughs> And you can uh, catch Cody singing opera. That's for Doofus. <laughs> opera for Doofus. <laughs> Just so you guys know, we do have a Facebook page. Uh, not politically correct podcast is the group. You can join the group and you can kind of engage in conversation with us. We really don't want to talk to you, but you can join it and we'll try. Um, we have a page you can like for numbers and all that good jazz at NPC Podcast. We have a Twitter at Not PC Podcast. You can follow us and stay updated. And on anything that you can listen to stuff to, from SoundCloud to the podcast app, Spotify, Spreaker, Google Play, just look up Not Politically Correct and you will see us. You can review us. You can leave a comment. All of that jazz. The more, the merrier. And now it's time for Spigot Sports. Well, Alabama, um, they are, sorry, I should clarify, um, college football. Alabama is, they finished 13 and 0 with a perfect record and a national title. So, congrats to them. Roll Tide. All that jazzy jazz, jazz. <laughs> he really finished doing my shit the whole episode on what? On God, not on what, on God. I swear to God, if there's a God on God. Uh, the Browns beat the Steelers on God. Um, they Lord. snapped a... <laughs> Did you call me a little whore? I said Lord, but that too. Oh. <laughs> same, 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 same. Uh, they snapped a 17-game losing streak in Pittsburgh. Um, was that a left turn or a right turn, too? What? I heard a directional. I was just curious. Really? Make sure you're being safe. Thank you. You're welcome. All right. Uh, <laughs> I got mine. No, I'm just kidding. Lamar Jackson, joins, <laughs> Lamar Jackson joins Colin Kaepernick as only NFL quarterbacks in the Super Bowl era with 100 rushing yards and a rushing touchdown in a playoff game. So that's cool. Uh, no comments there? Cool. I love my segment. Uh, Charles Woodson <laughs> is the only player in NFL history to have at least 65 interceptions and 20 sacks in their career. 
Really? Really. So I, he should, like, I would be very upset and disappointed if he did not get uh, first ballot on this Hall of Fame. Wow. I didn't know he was the only one. That's, okay, that's He is, like, I feel like the best uh, of his position. Which is? Defensive, please. <laughs> well, I mean, he did switch around because that was that strong safety, but I thought he did. Switch. Yeah, he did have some linebacker stuff, but mainly I went quarterback, cornerback. Um, but speaking of cornerbacks, uh, Jalen Ramsey for the uh, the Los Angeles sounds so weird to say the Los Angeles Rams. What is this, the seventies? <laughs> um, they are playing the Green Bay Packers today, Saturday. What did it say? 16th at 3:25 Central. Oh, uh, hell yeah! Oh shit. Um. So that's like the biggest matchup is Devonta <laughs> Adams versus Jalen Ramsey. Uh, Adams has is number one in the NFL right now for total receiving touchdowns with 18. Um, he's got 98.1 receiving yards per game. That's also first in the NFL. Uh, Jalen Ramsey is number one in the NFL with 309 receiving yards allowed. Like, that's the lowest amount allowed. And uh, tied for second in the NFL with uh, 50% completed percentages allowed. So that's, like, the big uh, okay. matchup that is being sought after. That's dope. That's dope. I, I was a little bit um, – not going to front. I was a little bit worried, worried about us um, – Versing or going against the Rams, I don't know. Something about this in my spirit doesn't feel. I don't mean to put bad juju out there, but something about it in my spirit does not feel well. You know what I mean? Like well, juju is not playing anymore. They got kicked out last week. Got you right, exactly. Yes, we we, uh, <laughs> we remember that. We remember that. You mean the Huzzah. Steelers? You mean the Steelers? Yeah. yeah. Okay, but they I, stole things. I don't condone stealing things, but that's not jazzy. Wrong, <laughs> wrong steal, genius. Yeah. Um. <laughs> But no, I think. Um, Can you imagine the iron e, iron steel medals? Okay, you will Come soon on. be you will soon be fired. I promise you. <laughs> um, but no, I just I'm, I think the Packers are a great team. I think Aaron Rodgers and um, Devontae Adams and um, all of the shit that we've done this season has been amazing. But I don't know something about this matchup doesn't seem doesn't sit well with my spirit, and I'm just wondering why. Really? I don't, I just, I don't know, man. I, I can't really pinpoint why either. I just, I know the Rams are good. I know, I don't know, man. It's something about it. I'm just like, I hope. Do you the, feel that the Packers are not good? Not that they're not good, but. Do you feel that they're not good enough to beat the Rams? I, mm, so I feel, <laughs> I feel as though this will be, this is not going to be an easy win. It's not going to be one of those things where, you know. We take the. I don't feel like we're gonna take the lead and then be, you know, two touchdowns ahead and can kind of like, you know, have a, a safe lead or anything like that. It's gonna be something where it's down to the rock, like to the wire. I feel like to the last like two minutes type shit. Is it because you think the Rams and Packers are evenly matched? Maybe, maybe, maybe the Rams could be a little bit better. I don't know. I don't know. I just ah, there's the truth. I don't know, man. I you just, don't think the Packers can beat the Rams? That's why you feel uneasy about it. Maybe so yeah, nine out of ten. Yeah, yeah, like that. Yeah, about nine out of ten. <laughs> uh, Eight point five for good measure. Um, <laughs> but no, so, none of the features. Right. I, I, I want them. Of course, I want the Packers to win. I want us to take it home. Uh, but I just don't know, man. So. 
Good Luck Pack. You know what I mean? They got the Lil Wayne song. They're gonna be amped up for the rest of the weekend, man, for sure. I'm glad that you brought that up because <laughs> the song. Yeah, because I was expecting a, a new instrumental or something. Same. This... As, as soon, it was like 20, 30 seconds in. I'm like, hey, now we're back to the same sample. <laughs> right. Yeah. I sent it to my mom, and she was still irritated. She's like, it's good. I like it, but just can they be honest and truthful? We're not yellow. We're gold. <laughs> Is it? <laughs> first, first of all, we are yellow, first of all. Fucking uh, San, Sa- the, no, the San Francisco like 49ers are gold, man. Stop. We got to stop that. That's bullshit. bronze. That's bronze. No, no, I'm just kidding. no, I I mean, gold 49er gold. Man. They're okay. mustard. We're gold. <laughs> Dijon. We are actually I, I mustard. Like, we are actually the mustard. What is going on here? Why have we been lying? You know, there's them? Dijon mustard, too. The same color, G. Um, <laughs> listen, yeah, have you, you never seen forever? Have you oh, never seen Scrooge McDuck's bank? It's uh, it's it's all Green Bay colors. It's all green and gold. Oh, God. Green and yellow. Man, you got sniff glue. I feel it. Okay, so. Much like the Bears. I get it. I feel it. <laughs> bears are idiots. Uh, speaking of idiots, Kyrie Irving is an idiot. <laughs> so, yeah, he's. <laughs> that's a good transition. Thanks, guys. Uh, <laughs> he's losing approximately uh, $800,000 of his salary uh, after violating the NBA COVID 19 protocols because he's a dumb idiot. Um, there's a statement um, by the Nets GM saying that um, they're looking after uh, or over videos that they saw on social media of Kyrie with his family and stuff like that. And uh, he's also being more idiotic because he didn't show up to practice or games and they asked him why. And he's like, I just didn't feel like playing. I'm like, what kind of ant- what? Right. You know, you can't just. I didn't feel like going to my job today. Oh, okay. Right. Well, we're going to keep paying you all this money. Right. Yeah, it's called a sick day. <sighs> you literally can do that. It's in, it's, He's you not can literally sick, do well, that. I mean, he, there are speculations about him being bipolar. So, you know, he could be having a mental health day. I don't know. But he didn't say that. Or, but, you know, I don't know this FMLA request that he, you know, <laughs> <laughs> just <laughs> protocols. And, and so his, he's got a new teammate, though. Uh, yeah. Jim yeah. Hardy Boys. <laughs> he's you got are, a raging clue. You are horrible. Um, just say the, say the man's name. Give him his props that he is now over there. James Harden. <laughs> James. Formerly, There's just one of them. James Harden. Jimmy Harden um, of former Houston Rockets fame, T.S. Eh, eh, is former now good player. in New Zealand. He is now a Brooklyn <laughs> Net with, Jimmy? with KD and eventually with Kyrie Irving. Eventually on Zoom. I, right. <laughs> I, um, you know how I was, I was feeling about the Packers just a few minutes ago? Hey, I'll man. The best. Hey, hey, man, uh, Bucks, I love y'all, and I want y'all to get y'all ring, and I want Giannis to stay here, and yada yada, yakety smackety. But I don't know if they, man, the East is get, starting to get really good. You got no, they're not. Just be, okay. Here, let me break down the facts. Right. Berkeley, first of all, had a great <laughs> quote saying that KD went from the Splash Brothers to the Dribble Brothers. <laughs> <laughs> Secondly, that is a great quote. Exactly. People are saying, and it's I feel like it's so true. They're the Nets have no defense. No, they're, they don't. 
they have all these players like KD, right. uh, Kyrie, and James. Uh, they but they don't play defense, and they're not good. At, they're not known for defense. They're known for being a ball hog and big egos. I feel like the best of the three is KD, but hmm. you know it's not. I I feel you know just because they're good individual players doesn't mean that the team's going to be good. And we keep seeing this. Uh, Charles Barkley. I mean, sorry, Shaquille O'Neal. Which I put that video up on the Facebook group. Um, if any listeners ever want to, like, you know, interact with us, goddammit. Um, and he said, like, when you give, when you say you gave the city your all, that ain't true. When it comes to show up, he ain't there. If you don't win this year, it's a bust, period. And he even said, he's like, you can't say you gave it your all when you wanted Chris Paul. You got Chris Paul. You wanted Dwight Howard. You got Dwight Howard. You wanted Russell Westbrook. You got Russell Westbrook, and you're still not, you know. Right, taking it anywhere. So, again, who's the problem? Man, you know, that is true. That is true. I do think there would need to be some type of like attitude change or adjustment, um, because those are three. You have three superstars. I mean, let's be clear. We got right now. We got um, one of those. What do you call the teams when it's like a bunch of superstars? Um, not, Super team. All star yeah. team. Yeah, All super. super I, I think it's the term is super team where you Space have like team? right, exactly. <laughs> Monsters. Monsters. Um, but I think that's exactly what's happening in Brooklyn, and so you're right about the amount of egos and and things like that, and being a ball hog. I thought we were going to see Kyrie and KD be very, very. Kyrie spoke of KD in a in a manner that was like, I trust him. You know what I mean? So I thought the dynamic between them two before you know Kyrie started to disappear was one of let's get it done, you know, let's be a team, let's get it done, you know, here. I don't know what type of dynamic this is going to add, especially with KD having played with Harden and, and OKC and yada, yada, yada. Um, it may be, that, you know, they the might New be, York, yada, yada, yada. <laughs> it may be that they, you know, <laughs> kind of find each other again and can kind of get back in a, in a zone where they went, like how they were in 2012 when they went to the finals. Um so that's what I'm kind of hoping for. You know, I'm, I'm hoping that Harden got this trade. He gets there and he puts his, you know, game face back on and kind of like really focuses in and because he got a good team and a good organization. And I mean, yeah, he definitely, when Houston checked out like senioritis, you know, yeah. mentally checked out. So okay. we'll see if he like changes and has like motivation or determination now. But I still like Kyrie bugged me too. I used to love Kyrie so much, like when he was in Cleveland and when he was in Boston. So, but then it just—I don't know what happened when it went downhill, and right. he just wasn't as good. I don't know if it's because like different team that he's on and their the play injury. style, you know. It was the injury too. Where the mental was, injury? No, the physical one about two, three years ago when he first got to Brooklyn, he was injured, wasn't he? No, and, KD. I don't recall, unless you know something that I don't. But I, I recall Kyrie, I KD thought, being injured his first uh, season at a. Uh, in Brooklyn, hmm. and not... wait. So, Ky- so Kyrie was never injured in Brooklyn at all. I, I'm not gonna say that because I'll just say to my knowledge. Okay, <laughs> <laughs> <Jazzy>. Charles, <laughs> Charles, Charles. Just um, one of you. No, I, I thought I thought he was injured, and so I thought that that kind of played into like his dynamic or like him, you know, um, working out with the Nets and. Now they're just coming together. I know KD had his injury and everything too, but I thought Kyrie had it one first, like when he came in as well. 
Maybe I'm mistaken. Maybe I'm mistaken, but I could have sworn that that was because I think I was looking at it like, well, he's on this team now, but he just got injured. Like it wasn't, it wasn't um, something where it was like he was injured and then got traded during injury, like how KD was. I thought it was he got there and then got injured right away for a little bit and was out and then came back type shit. So I'll have to, I would have to look into that, but I swear that I, I thought Kyrie had that issue and that coming off of an injury. Even if it's just a couple months, I feel like that'll change the full-on dynamic of what's going on, man. It's gonna you're gonna have to get back into this, like the swing of things and all of that shit, man. So I don't know if this would be it or not. I just tried to look it up. Um, it says February first, two thousand twenty. YouTube Kyrie Irving scary knee injury. Nets first Wizards. Um, that may I don't be, know. Maybe I don't. Know. But anywho. Yeah, I also saw a funny uh, meme that was it was uh, on the Heat, LeBron, Wade, Bosch, and it said Amazon, and then it says what you ordered, and then it was KD, James Harden, Kyrie, and it says Wish. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I can't wait for. I really hope that um, that this works out for them, because for one, I, as you all know, Harden fan, but for two, I just feel like. To have all those superstars on one team and for people and for people to still be counting them out, I'm like, y'all have to show up at this point. Kyrie, KD, get a, get another one, help my man Harden get his. Like y'all have to show up for just the sport of basketball at this point. Y'all can't be that damn good and not figure it out and be able to put shit to the side and come together and do the damn job. Like, what is it? What would it take at that point? Like, what do you want you? Y'all can't ask for a better situation right now. Like, y'all really three of the best, three of the top 15 players in this league right now on the same team. Come on, man. What more? It's it's 2021. They're going to get smoked by the Jazz. Right, on some goofy shit. Like, uh, man. Jazzy. Right, exactly. Thanks for that layup there, that assist. All right. Uh, there's a, a a funny fun fun fact that every every player NBA player with the last name Richardson to ever play played the shooting guard position. Really? Ah. Supposedly. Um. And lastly, uh, Amber Nichols and Tori Miller are making history as GMs in the NBA G League. A uh, list of women in the leagues and front offices continue to grow. Blase blase. Speaking of. Miller, Steve Miller Band is a great band. Uh, I was just listening the other night, and uh, if anyone knows, he is uh, his first teacher. One of his first teachers was Les Paul from Waukesha, Wisconsin. Um, speaking of classic rock and all that, Jazzy McCoy. <laughs> Thank you, Cody, for that wonderful. I'm good. Uh, you. This has to stop. Thank you, Cody, for that wonderful <laughs> for that wonderful uh, transition. Okay. So today, I'm going to take a, a little time to just backstory for all of our wonderful, wonderful fans listening. Uh, Cody and I tend to... Hi, I'm Cody. Yes, not McCoy. He is Cody. Uh, we <laughs> Hi, tend to have McCoy. this uh, thing going on where we, we all do it, but Cody and I will pause, for lack of a better phrase, hop on each other's asses about music. Um, so... Cody and I were discussing a couple of different things, and we were. This was a vi- originally going to be a kind of a debate, but 
it's transition from debate because me and Cody called each other, talked it out. Transition. No, because turns out I I assumed that you were talking about something else, and then I, <laughs> I was like, oh, that's what you meant. No, I agree with you. He's Let's not only on. short. He's not only short. He's dumb. So we called each hey. other. Hey. Oh <laughs> shit. We talked it this, out. But no. But now we're to debate. <laughs> no, I'm but, the master debater. So the the topic of discussion today <laughs> is something that I've um, looked at for a long time, and it is comparing the 1950s and 1960s decades of rock music to the 1980s and the 1990s decades of rap music. Damn, I thought we were going to talk about how the Rolling Stones are just like Drake today. We are. Okay, never mind. We, Go ahead. Right. See, you should have called McCoy too. <laughs> T.S. Dimmit. <laughs> Hi, um, gotcha. Right, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Son of a bitch, he did it again. Um, <laughs> so, we, again, I'm not going to we're just going to have an open discussion about it, but just to give it a quick rundown of what I'm thinking, of what I've always had a theory of. This is more of a theory discussion. I think I've done this once or twice before with you guys. So I find both those decades, those first two dec decades of those genres of music to be almost identical. Of course, you can't line up everything spot on, but I, in terms of development, growth um and how they change from one decade to another Whoa, bro yeah <laughs> that was cody um i <laughs> yikers i um i just think that they kind of overlap in terms of how things transpired so for example just looking at 50s rock and 80s rap uh both early stages laying foundations um the sound Compared to what it becomes later on was a little bit more stripped down. You had a couple of instruments and you're putting stuff together. And in rap, you have um, the, you know, NPC and the beat machines and, you know, just the DJing equipment. And you're kind of scratching breaks and layering stuff. So everything sounds a little bit more raw, less polished. It's not all the way. Um, it's not all the way there. It's the beginning stages. So that's what you see in both the 50s, 50s rock and 80s rap. Um, most artists from that era um, are important or iconic, but mostly only mid-level successful. Of course, there are people that slip through the cracks. There are people that um, remain important commercially into the next into the next decade. But by that second decade, you have a whole new, um, you know, generation of rock stars and rappers and they become what is like the first commercially consistently successful artist um so for example just throwing some throwing some names out there just so it makes sense in my head this is how i always worked it so like chuck berry for example you know um one of the coldest um you know guitar players kind of one of the thought to be one of the staples and forefathers of you know rap kind of like really creating what or, or rock excuse me really creating what we know to be you know rock and roll i think you can look at somebody like chuck berry and think you know say kumo d um a forefather of rap 
somebody who, of course, both he and Chuck Berry are are, are artists that are iconic. Um, they get a lot of credit for, especially Kumo D was one of the like really first rapid or like fast rap artists, and that really gives birth to a whole bunch of people. Um, but you look at these people and you think they did their thing during their time, um, but they didn't really do much into the next decade. You have, you know, I know Kumo D had like I think no, nah, that was that was in the eighties. Matter of fact, I think I go to work. Don't quote me on that one. That but the but the nineties was not his decade. Hell, even the late part of the eighties wasn't really his decade, but he was a forefather of rap. Another example of that would be like um Little Richard and like I would say like uh KRS one or Rock Him. Um, again, a forefather really ushered in a type of st- style that became synonymous for what was happening in rap. Little Richard, Holly. like exactly like the, like these these char- these artists gave something to rock that you know you can't have a prince without Little Richard or like you don't in terms of style and how like glam rock or just the way people dressed in performance in rock and roll you don't get to i don't think you get to a Mick Jagger and shit like that without little richard you know that that so that. i think your basic analogy can be applied to anything that has been created for the first time and then has been built upon you literally can apply that to video games for instance the first video game that people were able to bring home was playing pong with the joystick and that shit rocks. And after that was Super Mario, the introduction of platform games. And there was a bunch of platform games after that. And then sport, I think it, one thing starts it, then another thing comes up and then another thing comes up and people just build up off of what was, what became popular. They're like, Oh shit. I like that. Let me build on, let me build Chuck, on it. Chuck Automobiles. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Automobiles, cell phones, anything technology related. The stuff that wasn't popular didn't do anything. Like if it was too different, too much of a change, nobody built up on it. If it was just enough change, not really. Depends. depends. Because Nintendo was a a great change from the original Atari and the uh, ColecoVision and and things of that nature. Um, Because they they changed totally changed the, the joysticks. Because people were used to the arcade-type machines with the, the joysticks. But you had this controller with four directional buttons um, and then two extra buttons that people were like, what are these for? Um, so there's I guess great it has changes. To be the right that was, that was Nintendo doing the, uh, what was it, Donkey? the first Donkey Kong game was an arcade game. And then the uh, protagonist in that game was Jumpman, who we now mm-hmm. know today as Mario, which they brought to Nintendo. And with the controller. Right. They, they made uh, a lot of changes to Jumpman because they technically, as canon goes, don't refer to him as Mario. They do consider them two different characters. Um, and Mario was um, a representation or it was um, a caricature of a person who actually worked with the company. Wait, really? Um, yeah. He was a step uh, half brother. <laughs> no. He's the player two ass nigga. It just made him more like uh, Italian, like, <laughs> Italian. like the, the premise of the 
the the whole game was. Why was, is that plumber always like, jumping around? And what does he like, have you know, against he's turtles? Not plumbing nothing. The only thing he does is jump into the fights and stuff. You know what I'm saying? And keep helping his princess get kidnapped <laughs> by dragon turtles, frog things. <laughs> Who has had Trump? That Italian German, that Italian janitor is always on shrooms. <laughs> we can use that. <laughs> no wonder why he's been a um, success his entire life. That's cr- and he hasn't aged at all. Wow. Right. Thank you, TS, for pointing that out. But I think every <laughs> every major era of different things as far as like music, um, video games, movies, um, technology always has to have a radical idea to kind of break out of the norm. I don't think it's a tubular a idea. Natural progression of things like, oh, I see you did this. Because like, you know, you, if, you, if you go back to, to Pong, as you were just saying, it was just two lines blocking a dot from going outside of the border. Um, from that to different um, games and ColecoVision, as far as like you had Galaga, you had Space Invaders, and things of that nature, to a man jumping over barrels trying to defeat a gorilla who stole a pixelated princess, um, and to where we've gone from there to Gotta Catch Them All, to um, um, The Last of Us, to all of these games, the leaps and bounds that uh, different production companies and producers had to to do to put themselves on the line for something to 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 generate out of this and be something great. Was, um, I think it has is, to be presented by the right people in the right package. Uh, if we bring this back to music, there are well, some songs. You interrupt me, jerk. <laughs> okay, go ahead. Nope, I'm done. <laughs> Wait, so you didn't interrupt? <laughs> no, go ahead. I'm messing with you too. <laughs> <laughs> just well, messing with you. Um, yeah, I guess. Long story short, I, it, I think the new changes have to be brought about by the right people and the right package. Um, in music, for rock songs and stuff like that, there will be one rock band that releases the track and it doesn't gain any traction at all. A couple people might know about it. Then another group releases that same exact song with just a slightly different pace or whatever. And it's a number one hit and everybody knows it by that one band, even though there was a previous band that released it weeks beforehand or something like that or months or whatever. I don't have any examples off the top of my head, but I disagree with that. Um, When we talk about, I'll say like, classic rock and i'm assuming mm-hmm. that's what you're talking about kind of thing the big fans like of classic rock like me or you know my mom or certain friends you know it's like we know all the ins and outs and it's like um let's see all on the watchtower that's i feel like it's for classic rock fans um very well known song by Jimi hendrix that was redone by a very well original of uh, bob dylan it's like we understand that there's two different songs and that's not like oh i didn't know he you know did that or one's better than the other because they sound both totally different one's more acoustic folk the other is like a more rock and you know oh, i'm not saying that the original is not going to be appreciated by the actual true fan of that band or whatever but there are definitely songs out there that was made by one band and then dropped by another band whether in rock disco r&b heard rap heard it through the grapevine yeah, where it was dropped by one person and it was dope and people probably loved it, but it was dropped by somebody else, slowed down, sped up, and it just caught more traction. 
it's not to say that the original was bad. It's just it was a change that was brought about by somebody else in the right package, and it just caught fire. Gladys Knight in the pit pack went through the grapevine first, and it was and really meh, really meh. And then Marvin. Yeah, but that's not. I wouldn't say that's rock though. If we're talking about rock music, like I get, I understand that for like music period. I would say, but I don't. I just don't think that's true with like rock. Well, I music. think I think T.S. was saying it because he was basically the entire theory argument. Where he was like boiling it down to most evolutions things. And yeah, evolutions. Genres. Everything has an evolution. Every so this yeah. stuff, you know, progresses pretty normally along the lines of something comes before it, and then we improve upon it, and we go forward to the next. You know, which T.S. You're probably right. You I. Don't I don't disagree with that. I don't disagree with that. I do towards the end there's some diversion, but that's for the next next decades. And so obviously because it's two different genres of music, things would be essentially different, maybe. But my whole idea was I I've always looked at this because here's the thing, people call the term golden era doesn't really apply to the nineties in rap. They speak about it um as the eighties which I never really understood that being the, when you have everything that happened in the 90s. Um, and so I always, for my own personal self, attribute the golden era of rap to the 90s. And I feel like, and I'm not sure for rock, if they would call the 60s the golden era or the 50s the golden era of, you know, of that genre of music, but I feel like those two decades what happened in those two decades are is very particular and for this one reason not only do you see music grow it change and people get better but we get icons and we get the first the first consistent base of commercially successful artists that also do something that i didn't see or that i don't see happen a lot in other genres and that is in rock and in rap. People do, I mean, kind of in pop music too, but people do and tour well, well, well into their old age. And I'm talking about packed stadiums, which I don't know how jazz touring works or if that's even a thing. But the fact that rock was able to build on that within 10 years create a foundation where they could get people to do that to feed into that that would become like lifelong um you know people that would come not just you know give recognition but would actually show up to stadiums and 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 like huge Mick Jagger and 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 the Rolling Stones and those motherfuckers can get out and tour right now i think so, that's I think it's also song be... content I think it's also like the environment or the vibe too. No, jazz artists aren't gonna go to a venue because that's not right. I'm not trying to, you know, take over your stuff right now, no, but it's go, not jazzy. Go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> no, I'm mean, just saying jazzy. It's, um, it's you know, it's supposed to be like a more mellow, chill uh, in the like a jazz club scene kind of thing. It's not like, and it's oh, like nowadays. Well, there are, but it's not like you're going to go to a stadium to do that. And it's not to say that there aren't certain jazz acts that play at stadiums now, but that's because 
that's not the norm. They're doing that because of the rock and the rap that play in stadiums and they're trying I to I think it's that just in. because it's not popular. I mean, well, that's I why. mean, it has I mean, but but if you go before them. rock, there's there's been like um big band and jazz musicians who were um playing Touring. Yeah, venues and tour like our Tatum's, the Duke Ellington's, the um, right. Miles uh, Davis, uh, Domino, yeah. Miles Davis, yeah. right? Um, you got all these these real heavy jazz musicians and jazz bands. Ray Charles, um, um, and they're touring. I feel like is a little different though. It like matches like yeah, you're touring around and going like all across the nation, but you're still like in a small club scene. You get signed. No, like, the, like these yeah. guys, you you really need to look into them because they played like. Big concert halls, which are big as stadiums. Well, like, yeah, okay, I understand that. I, I please don't tell me to look into because I feel like I know a shit ton about jazz. <laughs> but they, what I'm saying is, what they travel, they don't do like giant concert in a stadium thing. They find like medium to small, at, at least compared to like what we're seeing and used to now. It's like medium to small. They're not now, breaking like yeah, 300 maybe. people, you know. Well, no, that's, that's what I'm saying. You really need to go back and do your research, G. No, I because don't. Because you've got these guys um, who used to do, like I said, full concert halls with like full yeah. orchestras playing, and the seating was more than just 300. You you could see probably like 500,000, 1,500 people in there. Um, it's not mm. comparable to now when you've got like, you know, um, a stadiums that, that hold up to 100,000 people or whatever. But they did huge venues back then even so yeah, um, so it's, what, I'm, what i'm saying is it's not that it doesn't happen and that's why i keep saying it's that it's not the norm and they what they're the usual is is finding clubs or venues and they just bounce from like city to city night to night kind of thing so let me like act- yeah so occasionally it's... there's like it's, it's like a huge opportunity and a huge feeling of accomplishment when they find like a huge venue and you know, we're gonna stay here for the weekend and play like three, four nights or something like that in a row. But that's but not, I think it's, it's the age of progression. So with the the jazz age, they did have their big concerts for their time, and during those times, people barely had cars and whatnot. So I don't think they're really <laughs> gonna be doing back. world tours. <laughs> well, I don't think quite that old, but the age of progression allowed for more people to get around around uh, the 60s and 70s for rock music and to do more world tours. You, you could make bigger and better coliseums and stuff like that. I mean, I, Beethoven and stuff probably wasn't doing a world tour, but <laughs> what he was performing for, he was shutting that shit down for all 50 of them. <laughs> and, that's, and see, this is where um, rock and rap are unique to me because everybody has the ability to tour, right? Everybody has the ability to have their audience, have their crowd. But I've always been in awe, and maybe I'm wrong about this, maybe I've been looking at this wrong the entire time. I've always been in awe of how, um, and I, I go back to like Paul McCartney and Mick Jagger, just the Rolling Stones and Paul McCartney since he's the last, um, I know Ringo Starr still alive. Yeah. Um, but we don't count. We don't really count him. Uh, we, so mm-hmm. Paul McCartney is, you know, the last important. Beat. No, I'm joking. That's an entire joke. But Paul McCartney is the last Beatle actually, I think, consistently doing music on the regular. And he can just last year, just last year, just a, what was it, a month ago, he just released another album. And it wasn't like it was number 56 on Billboard. It was like a top 10 album. This man. And the year before that, Ringo Starr released an album. And it was probably number 117 somewhere. But 
I um no, I'm sorry. I don't mean to disrespect Ringo Starr. Sorry. I, I love you, Ringo. Um, but yeah. how is my my thing is this? He has been in the game sixty years. It's the year 2021. This man's been doing this for 60 years. Now, I can appreciate anybody that came before me, anybody that was doing jazz, but who, it's going to be hard for a jazz musician after, what, 20, 30 years maybe, to really get people to come out to those larger concerts or get people to make his album a top 10 billboard release. And so, again, Paul McCartney and Rolling Stones, they are the people from the 60s in rock compared to rap because the 90s, there are still people from the 90s who are the first in that in this line of um, their genre to be able to do that. Jay-Z drop, Eminem drop, that's a top 10 album. People are still going to go out to see Jay-Z and Eminem. And they're coming up on their been doing this 30 year mark type of shit. You know, You feel what I'm saying? So, yeah, for yeah, for sure. Like all these motherfuckers are still creating albums and are able to sell real tickets to real like, and that is why I compare those two decades because it it feels different. And I know a lot of times they say rap is the new rock and roll. Um, this kind of definitely solidifies it for me just because of those elements right there. It's stand their artists are standing the test of time in in real time. You know, it's it's different to be re- different in being revered and respected and people actually still buying into your brand and what you do. You know you know what I'm saying? So that I was is- just thinking that I feel like the the person uh, the musical person or the their legacy and whatnot plays a huge role into it too. Um I was just thinking that cuz um I forget when maybe five years ago or so I, my mom and i saw bb king at, i think the pabster riverside one of the two and it's it's crazy like how that stuff holds up too but it's like i don't know how many people can name that many bb king songs but it's just like you know his name you know he's right. a great legacy of blues and whatnot you know right exactly exactly and so again people you're going to have icons in every genre and every decade and every in different forms and different levels. But I just see the impact that rock had at that time is very comparable to rap and is different than other genres of music to me. But that that's kind of in a nutshell, that's that's really all I was trying to get off is is that those two, those two decades for each genre, the first two decades for both of those genres really coincide and kind of like line up with, each other in that sense in terms of spirit so finn that's all i had to say <laughs> again this was a conversation that was going to be a debate but well i mean we still had a little bit of a, a, a debate there but i think cody knew where I, where I was going with it and ts ts's statement is not wrong it's definitely essential it's definitely essentially right um i guess i was just in my mind always playing it out that those two those two genres in particular moved more um in sync than other genres so yeah, i definitely agree like the two biggest you know genres of music are that have like um i don't know escalator rockets here to like the top right especially yeah. with fans and the charts and whatnot is rock and rap and yeah, for, for sure. respected places for sure for sure
But enough of that shit. Now it's time for Russell Prosity. Ooh, Ooh, yeah. What? What'd you do? What'd you say? <laughs> Ooh, Jazzy. Ah. Oh, man. He's so fired. He's so fired. Okay. Uh, <laughs> um, first off, shout out um, to No Studios. Um, it's an organization that serves as a platform for upcoming artists, current artists, and art lovers um, to connect, whether physically or remotely. Uh, they promote collaboration and support artists in their endeavors. Um, it's a super dope organization, has a beautiful space for those who need it um, as far as like actually being in a building. Um, they um, adhere to COVID um, um, requirements, regulations, so you don't have to worry about that. But definitely check them out on our website. It's uh, nostudios.com, N-O-S-T-U-D-I-O-S.com. Again, that's N-O-S-T-U-D-I-O-S.com for more information um, regarding how their process works, as well as to attend events they may be having throughout the year. All right. So I wanted to get back to um, the topic that we were starting last week but didn't quite get to because we got derailed on a pretty good conversation regarding connection um, versus attachment um, and friendship in general. So um, I I do want to get back to the state of dating and interacting and communicating between the sexes. Um, Social media has really had a hand in making things uh, pretty confusing and off-putting. And then, of course, once again, props to you, gents, for finding partners and really committing to them and showing this world that it can be done um, because, yeah, man, it's it's, it's really rough out here. So I always uh, appreciate you, gentlemen, for just being the people that you are. That being said, um, I figured we could talk about a few of the more prevalent things that I've seen on these platforms and possibly how they could affect or how they do affect the dating scene and reflect real life. Well, one of the things that keeps popping up on my timeline uh, specifically is the meme of uh, you can come if you want to, um, along with oh, yeah. myriad other like memes regarding the, the same couple of people um, that be in these toxic relationships that people seem to seek after, um, whether intentionally or habitually, it seems to be a familiar scene. Um, even in my own dating history, um, going for that, that toxic choice instead of what we know would be the, the better choice for us. Um, Ooh, I, um, if you, if, go ahead. I, that, damn it. There was something that I uh, really I wanted to bring up, but I'm going to let you finish up. I don't want to derail you, but I'm going to come back. I'm gonna, <laughs> L- I'm gonna like you're it. doing? I'm, gonna make it <laughs> I'm sorry. Go ahead. Go ahead. Well, well, okay, so the scenario <laughs> I'm talking about is, is, is pretty, or, uh, pretty ordinary. Uh, I, I'm pretty sure we, we might be familiar with it, but um, it starts with the what you doing opening um i think in the meme is from the woman um <laughs> followed by a standard nothing or something similar in reply from the guy uh, then there's a request to come through and the man replies quote sure you can come over if you want then the reply is but do you want me to come over and usually the meme goes that the man walks away and that's where things kind of take a, a turn as far as the comments and shares <laughs> And so now, I, you know, I don't get how this. people make it more complex. It's like you can come over if you want. Well, do you want me to? I just say you can come over if you want. Like, <laughs> and, and you know, I've heard plenty of different perspectives regarding this conversation frequently, 
and I can understand where people are coming from on both sides, um, trying to maintain kind of like a fair-minded viewpoint. Um, the way we communicate now is a direct result of so many social things that have happened to really enforce division and comparison at most every aspect of life, in my opinion. Um, from one point of view, the woman in this meme seems to need the validation that the man wants her there or wants her to come over. Um, it is the same perspective that paints the man as not seeming eager to have the woman to come over by his response. Um, and there's plenty of social dynamic things here to reflect how the dating game now works. Um, and at times, one of them is the surfacing and resurfacing of the, the Me Too or hashtag Me Too um, movement and the side effects in which, unfortunately, men are afraid of doing most anything that could be filtered um, in a way that's targeting them or making them seem like they're predatory or um, just creeps or something to that to that effect. Um, and it's ending careers, it's ending lives. And so I, I, I understand why this social dynamic kind of exists. Um, there have been many comedians who quote women in their lives who state that chivalry is dead. And the retort is usually, this is true because women killed it. <laughs> you can't be nice to certain women or they think you're trying to manipulate them. Compliments are seen as um, you're walking a dangerous tightrope because no matter what your intentions are, due to the fact that some men can't just leave it as a compliment, nor do they know how to compliment respectively. And also, on the other hand, women get offended or focus on the part of the compliment destroying the spirit in which it was given. Um, I've seen an example today where um, there was um, a mean post of a guy saying to his girl, man, you're just so soft. And the woman's reply, I don't know if it was a thought or if she really replied, but her, her rebuttal was, so all the other women you were talking to were hard? And it's like, I didn't even say all that. All I said was that you're, you know what I'm saying? Just adding more things to what I'm saying instead of just taking what I'm saying at face value. Right. 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 And it's, just, kind of... it's a bug in their system. They're born with it. You just got to deal with <laughs> Jesus. it. Is that why you yes. that, that was T.S. for everybody who can tell. <laughs> the, I mean, I've never... Right? Oh, wait. Go I was going to say T.S., the, oh. the bug eater. That's all I was going to say. But. I uh, had a conversation with Siri uh, the other day about how when I say something, I choose my words very carefully. Very carefully. And it's like, yes. there's no hidden meaning by this. When I ask something... It's not like, well, you should make sure these different layers kind of thing. It's like, no, like if I wanted to know that, I would have said that or asked that. But just right. my question or what I said, just that. Right. Right. And I, I tell people all the time, I'm very deliberate in how I speak. Um, I choose my words carefully and I choose the tone and tense um, with the intention of this is what exactly I mean. There's nothing underneath. This is all face value. But as I had to explained to someone previously and I had to realize it myself, nobody understands intent. Nobody can see intent. They only see action. So whatever the action is, they are going to interpret however they feel. That's just how people are. Um, and it works on both sides, unfortunately. But the thing that works against us is that a lot of the times when we're meaning to do one thing due to the person's history, experience, thought process, um, even the current mood they're in, they can interpret it a totally different way. Um, the best way to counteract this 
is to reply, okay, when you said this, did you mean this or did you mean this? So that clarity can be given on both sides. I myself am working on that because I, I'm very, like I said, deliberate in what I mean. And so I want people to really understand what I'm saying, when I'm saying it, how I'm saying it. That's a huge communication thing. I forget if I heard that from here or if it was from like a podcast or, you know, something, which I guess this is a podcast, but, <laughs> but it's like for the best way of communication is when someone says something to you, you want to reply back with like, okay, this is what I heard you say. Is this what you mean? Right. And I, I, think it's I say that it was a bug in their system, but, <laughs> but it's honestly, <laughs> I think what it is on a more general and more accurate scale is that women tend to be uh, more detailed than guys are. Guys are known to see the bigger picture where women will see uh, the details in the picture. Yeah. So where we'll say, they'll say, how's the, how's the weather today? Oh, it's going to be beautiful. They'll want well, what's the temperature going to be like? <laughs> you said it's be beautiful. Out, it's it was be... like a little chilly and windy. Like, hey, yeah, they, it's not snowing. It's so pretty like, outside. <laughs> <laughs> right. They they want just a few more details. So it's not really a bug in their. It's a bug in their system. But uh, <laughs> it shouldn't be looked at as that. <laughs> they just need a little more details. A few I mean, more details. Sometimes, sometimes. I mean, sometimes. Okay. So in this in this example, um, I, I've never understood how. Telling someone you look beautiful today in the moment could be interpreted as you usually don't look beautiful. That, in my opinion, is a bug. <laughs> I, I have Super definitely virus. felt guilty about that same, like, when Siri, like, you know, puts makeup on and dresses nicer. I'm like, wow, you look really nice. And then I'm thinking to myself, like, guilty, like, is that me saying that usually she doesn't look nice? No, I don't mean that, you know? <laughs> and the thing is, like, it's like you don't mean that she doesn't look nice other times. It's just and I'm she glad that different. she doesn't take it that way, too. It's you, just my, you know, you know. Right. And that's that's a, that's a blessing. Right. <laughs> yeah. Because, <laughs> uh, you know, it's, it's not, and, it's, and you want to be clear that, you know, it's not that I'm saying you don't always look beautiful. It's just you put in a different effort today. It doesn't mean you put in more effort. You just put in a different effort today yeah. for she, something she that you wanted effort. to. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> that was Cody. <laughs> but it's a different effort. You put pants because, on today. Right. <laughs> because, like, um, I, I've told those that I've dated in the past, like, you know, the comfy look for me is such a sexy thing to me. So the um, the but Drake uh, quote, no right, <laughs> Nick Bond. You know what I'm saying? That's when you're prettiest because that's the pure beauty side of things. And he had to so say when I can see somebody... And you had to say at the end, I hope that you don't take it wrong, but right. God damn it. Right. <laughs> because that's insanity. <laughs> right. I mean, and add into that equation that all of us are guilty, probably, I want to say 90 to 95% positive of at one point or more in our lives, accepting a compliment from someone we found attractive and then having disdain for the same compliment for someone we did not. Um, it's very shallow. And I think we've all fallen into that. It's funny that you can become offensive because you're offensive. <laughs> you, you, you know what I mean? Offensive because you're being. Um, where? Prosperity, <laughs> right? Um, there's been times where someone who's and it, and you know I had to catch myself like, yo, that's that's messed up, yo. They just like, paid your compliment. You could be polite. 
and use your etiquette to accept the compliment because the compliment was giving in a genuine manner. It wasn't like they were doing something over the top or being extra creepy or weird or anything like that. It was a simple compliment. So why does it, um, why is it okay from this person, but not okay from this person? And I also do not like obligations. Like usually it ties in with presents, like, Mm -hmm. you know, Christmas time. It's like, Oh shit, I didn't get you anything. And you just got me something. Now I feel like I have to get you something, but I didn't want to because my money's tight. But it's like compliments too. It's like, Oh, you look really nice today. Uh, they don't look good, but I should probably tell them um, I like your hair today. Or you know, <laughs> I think looks uh, like you showered last week. What I do, what I do is <laughs> I I turn the actual act of a compliment into a compliment for them. So they say, "Hey, man, you look nice today." Oh, thank you. That's very nice of you. I appreciate you. You're sweet. You know what I'm saying? Or oh. um, you're you're such a, a dope person for just being able to say that because a lot of people can't say that. And it leaves them with a positive feeling because I'm generating that vibe back to them that that there's an appreciation there, even if I don't have to speak on something that's physical, because we all tend to do that automatically. And maybe that's not always the best compliment to give. Sometimes people need to hear that, yo, you are a good person. You are a dope person. Um, I appreciate your presence. Um, It doesn't always have to be, you know, you look good. You did this to here. You got this nice fit on. You can speak on them as a person. Because maybe they don't get complimented on their personality that as is much. genius. I love that. I'm gonna use that. Run that shit back. Run that shit back. Especially when your appearance <laughs> does not like <laughs> equate to who you are as a person, you know. But they're how they treat people does. <clears throat> All right, excuse me. Um, Yo, hold on. We gotta run that shit back. Hold on, <laughs> Russell. That shirt is cold as fuck, bro. Thank you, you man. Can... I appreciate you. You know. Why can't I see? Right, I can't see. <laughs> what? Wait, does it was is... an example? It was an example because I'm about to use the hell out of this shit, dude. Oh. But you know, what I mean, you, you, you want to use it in the moment. You know what I'm saying? You want to use it in the moment. You want to be present. That's why I always be talking about being present and in the moment, not in your head, thinking about things when you're in front of people because you mm-hmm. miss a lot of what they say and don't say um, because we're stuck in our heads. Um, we're, we're thinking about things that have. Um, been troubling us since we woke up or have caused us trouble since waking up and we're not always present with the people who are in front of us so a lot of times to do that perfunctory thing or that automatic autopilot thing of responding back yeah yeah you too you know what i'm saying and and most times it's not even (laughs) conducive to the to the uh conversation um so in being in the moment and recognizing the uh even taking a little bit to 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 really revel in the compliment. So, oh man, you know, I like that sweatshirt. Doug, that's so, dog, that's so dope of you. I appreciate you, man. You know, you always got to get eye for such and such, such and such. And then you've already just given them a couple compliments back to where they're also feeling that positivity and that vibe. And the conversation is not richer. And you can think about other things or talk about other things because you generally established a connection, even though um, you didn't go for the low hanging fruit of saying, you know, oh, I like this, this and this about you you reached a little higher to establish a deeper connection by talking about the next person. That shit cold. <laughs> I can't wait till somebody compliment my ass next time. Ooh. No one's going to compliment your ass. You be gotten people too much. <laughs> <laughs> I like how you insulted me, T.S. I like how you talked about my intuition. 
<laughs> well, you be you do be intuitive and stuff. So right, right. <laughs> you, you be you be intuitive. You right. be intuitive. Right. I, you you be you be knowing sometimes. You be knowing. <laughs> Shout out to you and your thinking processes. Right. You got a, you got a brain. I appreciate it. Right. <laughs> I appreciate the way that you drove your car the other day and didn't die. Right. That's, that's right. pretty dope. Right. <laughs> so with that, compliments. <laughs> so in that exchange, we find ourselves being a little less shallow and being more open to not only how to receive compliments, but how to generate them back in a way that's not creepy, not clingy, not fake. Um, and and that genuineness is what spills over to the other person. Um, I'm glad that you all taught us, you taught us all something today that we can all take away. Sure. I think that's pretty complete. I also like that you uh, touched on be in the moment. That's a mm. huge thing in mind from uh Ram Dass is one of, his, one of his first or one of his first books, literally titled <laughs> Be Here Now, like be yeah. in the moment. And, you know, I got the whole concept from, it's funny because like um, the the concept of dating um, and these these uh, pickup artists and things of that nature, it's a lot, a lot of things that they talk about that actually apply to just real life in general, but they're only focused on one frame. Um, and the one artist uh, hooked me up to um, Eckhart Tolle, and I believe we kind of oh. went back and forth about this I'm before. I'm literally staring at one of his books right now, The Power yeah, of Now. And, <laughs> yeah, yeah, and see, that's about being in the moment. That's that's kind of where they all generate from. Usually people who talk about being in the moment, being present, I have graduated from the Eckhart Tolle school of being in the now. Um, so, that, yeah, it's funny that it, it all comes kind of full circle uh, when um, you're, you're pursuing one thing and then it teaches you how to just be a whole person instead of just focusing on this one aspect. There's actually a cool video on YouTube of it's kind of like a auditorium thing, and on stage they're interviewing. It's a uh, uh, Ramdas in a chair and Eckhart Tolle also, and then they have like a mediator or something. Not not like a debate thing, but just a like an interviewer kind of thing. But it's cool because they have we have Ramdas of the author. Uh, be here now, and then Eckhart Tolle of the author, uh, The Power of Now. Mm-hmm. And now we are starting this presentation now. <laughs> <laughs> right, I bet, I right, bet that's right. how everyone works, too. I bet that's how every fucking one works. I love puns. But only now. Right. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> that was Cody what? again. <laughs> hey, I'm Cody. Back to the meme, this meme situation. Um, there's a perspective that speaks on the need of attention and truthfully it happens on both sides. It's not something that we can just attribute to women or just attribute to men. It really happens on both sides a lot, a lot, 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 lot. Um, <laughs> to the point where sometimes I find myself not wanting to be on social media platforms because I don't want to get caught up in that self-serving rhythm. And it's seemingly the same message over and over and over. Um, Love me, love me, love me. Like, 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 follow, subscribe, share, advertise for me. Give me all your attention and internet love. Ask me or answer questions so that I can show me off or that you can see more of me. Um, it really pushes me away from most people online because it, it reeks of, of neediness and clinginess and a lack of self-love. Um, and it even spills over into the, to the real dating, uh, real-life dating game. Um, I've been on a few one-sided dates where... Um, I was 
presence in the moment and trying to be in the moment and the seat filler, because um, I don't want to give no names, um, was in their phone most of the time. Or the conversation was so one-sided, I was wondering why I even came. Um, they could have talked to a wall for all they cared. And then they wonder why there was no callback, no, no text, no inbox, no nothing. Um, I found that removing myself from conversations through the different messaging means with the struggle of having to carry the conversation really left me, you know, well, it gave me um, a boost because in those positions I was feeling so drained and so um, exhausted from having to be the one to initiate everything and keep everything going. Um, the funny thing is, and the ironic thing is that I would find myself being uh, subtly or um, being hinted at in different statuses um, oh boy. because I stopped interacting with these dead fish. Um, <laughs> but also on the flip side from that, you still see plenty posts um, regarding um, about how people like to cheat or they're involved in cheating. They, they lie to everybody, um, they mess with many people. Um, at the same time, um, more things about how unhappy they are or more attention-grabbing things, um, risque pictures, um, misspelling and unintelligible garbage. Um, and it's, like, discouraging because it's, like, I'm supposed to pick somebody from this terrible buffet of idiots and worse, for lack of a better word. Um, and then... If that wasn't enough, you've got these tender, no direction, flashy nitwits who barely have any identification, let alone a place to stay or transportation, knocking up everything within a 20 mile radius. Right. Uh, but, mm. yeah. but back to the me. <laughs> <laughs> On the flip side, the man side, the validation needed in coming over is not necessarily a bad thing in this particular situation, as the interest seems to be there on both sides. It is honestly not a difficult thing to say, hey, I want you to come over, instead of saying, sure, you can come over if you want. It shows that you have the courage to state what you want. It shows that you have the means to stand on what you want. And most importantly, that you know what you want. But I also understand the fact that women will do this song and dance only to decline to fake a flake, to ignore you, uh, to disappear. And that makes you not want to take that risk of being so direct and saying you want them to come over um, because then they'll hold, hold that over your head. Um, yeah, you wanted me to come over, da, 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 you know what I'm saying? Or he wants me to do this. And it's it's a less effort on their part. After having having that happen to you multiple times, you start to be dismissive and indifferent about the whole situation. So. I, so. Yeah, I remember back in the dating scene stuff, like, it's like, you know, if you really like someone, you know, it's like, yeah, I want to come over, I want you to come over, something like that. But it's like, if it's still early in the stages, it was always like, I don't want to give you that much big self-validation for you to get a big head over this, like, oh, I'm wanted, he, you know, he can bend over backwards for me or something like that, you know? Right. Right. I think, and there's other ways you can kind of curve that too. But go ahead. No, I was just gonna say I think I was when this um, meme first started circulating a week or two ago, they were having a debate on it, uh, a debate about it on Twitter, and somebody was like, a guy said he didn't want to say, um, just be direct, be like, come over, because he's like he feels 
that that's too aggressive now. Like with the you know, like you were talking about like the Me Too movement, and th- just he doesn't want to come off too aggressive to any individual female. You know, when it comes to how he's asking, you know, her to you know, he doesn't want to seem demanding. And I thought yeah. about it. And I'm like, and I'm, I'm like to a degree that that makes sense to a degree, but on the other hand, it's like. It still shouldn't be hard for you just to be like, if she's asking for you to be assertive, then just be assertive. If she's giving you the, the the room to do it, then or say it, then just do it or say it. You know, like make sure you, right. You know, give her the. But it's it's the wish it's it's the word choice because if you're just saying come over, yeah, that's a command. That's that's yeah, that's different that's, than like you can come over if you want. Right, and that's the wishy washy part that women don't like because it's like you're leaving it up to them. Um, there's another meme out there where it's like, um, I want to take you out. And she's like, sure. Where do you want to, where do we, where are we going? And then he goes, I don't know. Where do you want to go? He just lost all that progress by, um, yeah. being wishy-washy at the end, um, no, I, instead of, oh, go ahead. Well, two things. I, I did, uh, hear a good, uh, combat for the where to go thing. Mm-hmm. It's like, uh, something like. Where do you think I'm gonna take you? And then like yeah. I'll give you like three, and then the, her like first three responses you take her one there because that's like where she wants to go kind of thing. Right, right. Yeah, Honestly, that's only gonna work like once. <laughs> <laughs> right. She'll catch on. Honestly, if you Fucking are usually assertive enough Plus. in saying it where you want to go, more than likely because women eat off our plate, they're going to eat whatever we, we want to eat. You know what I'm saying? So most of the time, I'd be like, yo, I'm going here, that or not. If she doesn't want that, then I know she'll want something else, and she'll tell me what she wants. Um, but I'll usually be like, hey, I'm going here. Did you want something? Well, what are you getting? I'm getting this. Oh, that sounds good. Um, no, I'm good. Okay. I'll go grab whatever I'm going to get, and I'll get extra fries or extra whatever, because I know she's going to be all in my plate. <laughs> so the it. The other thing that um, it was based on what, what McCoy was saying was like commands and stuff like that. And I know this is a little different scenario, but mm-hmm. I know that um, Siri really, as a, like anybody, you know, does not want to be told what to do. Like that's not going to mm-hmm. fly, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's, I try to, and it's not like I would ever like tell her what to do, but there's certain times where it's like, I'm going to be really mad if you choose, you know, something else than what I want you to do. <laughs> Depends on the circumstance, but it's like. Do you so say that out loud, or do you just think this? I, I'll say. It. I mean, like Picture we don't. We, it's a, it depends <laughs> on how you say something, but we do not hide what we are feeling. So we're we've we've kind of really talked about how to communicate with each other well, and it's right. you know we can and say yeah we we can say any everything that we're feeling is just you know we understand how we're. Yeah, the other person is feeling and how to say it too because you can say the right thing the wrong way but mm-hmm. I will usually it's like I don't want to tell you what to do but I would really appreciate it if you were to do this or like it would mean a lot if you know I'd prefer it all comes yeah it all comes down to just communication there are going to be people that understand everybody has their own communication styles and mm-hmm. love languages and things like this as soon as you learn your partners or your friends or whoever love language or how they communicate mm-hmm. then you can ask them to do something in a way that somebody else wouldn't ask but that person receiving the information will understand and appreciate it but it, the main thing is that there's that connection and a rapport there to where you understand that connection uh, that communication so that 
that will work in your uh, relationship dynamic because you guys have established that platform for each other to where it's mm-hmm. like we connect in this way, we communicate in this way, and we're okay with that. It doesn't have to matter to anybody else because it works for you guys, and right. that's what matters to your relationship. So, right. And that's what you've established, and that's a wonderful thing. Like I said, that's a, that's a blessing because not a lot of people make it to that stage. Have, have a rational, make it uh, that stage. significant other. <laughs> yeah, that too. <laughs> and like I was saying, with the, the whole way to, to say things, um, as I said it before, the problem was it was that, sure, you can come over if you want. And it all stems from, in my opinion, a lack of security, not necessarily insecurity, um, because the person can be very secure in themselves, but because of all the social dynamics that we spoke, spoke about before, as far as the Me Too movement and things of that nature, um, they could not want to be too pushy. And in that situation, they're feeling less secure because they want to say how they feel, but they're still worrying about what the other person is going to think. And sometimes you got to just be over that, man. You just got to be like, look, um, Especially if she's asking, you know, hey, I want to come over. It doesn't make sense for me to be like, sure, you can come over if you want to, because she's already established that she wants to come over. So that's just redundant, in my opinion. Um, I would be more like, yes, I would like you to come over. That that right. gives the the intent that, yes, I want you to come over. And yes, it's OK to come over so that I want your presence here, because the indifference can cause a woman to feel unwanted, uninvited and like a nuisance when the main concern is actually the man was trying to be emotional safeguarding um, in some of the cases uh, to protect themselves. And like, I'm not going to pretend like there aren't some trash individuals out there um, who <laughs> uh, are, are trying to manipulate and trying to take advantage. Okay, um, you, Drake. <laughs> right. But the reason that things are this way is because there's problems on both sides. Um, on the one hand, women are like, you know, be direct and stop being, being around the bush. And on the same hand, um, women say the same thing regarding you can if you want to with the intent meaning, hey, stupid, you should know what I mean, even though I haven't told you anything and I'm upset because you don't know because you should know. You know what I'm saying? That whole, You're an asshole for not reading my mind. <laughs> right. Which is borderline psychotic behavior. Yeah, it's um, another bug in bug. the system. It's a bug. Right. Yeah, it's a bug. Glitch in the matrix. Nope. That's <laughs> no not way. even a glitch. That's just a bug <laughs> in their system. <laughs> Don't blame the whole system. That's just there. <laughs> no one should be holding another hostage based um, on verbally being manipulative, whether it's male or female, because that is a situation many of us find ourselves in. Someone manipulating language in order to make us feel a certain type of way or make you feel that we have to do certain things. The bottom line is that even though social media should be a caricature of real life, the realness of this exaggeration a lot of time makes me pull all the way back. Sometimes I hate how observant I can be because it ruins a lot of things for me. I take notice and I remember and I act accordingly. And the things that make me truly apprehensive are the things I've seen. They make me truly apprehensive and fearful to attempt to grasp what I want relationship-wise. I peep the way people move nowadays and it puts me in a selfish surviving mode which is a terrible way to live, but it is what it is. People are not the same as they used to be. Dating is not the same as it used to be. Connecting, however, has not changed, but people seek it less and seem to only wish for it. They settle for attachments 
they settle for the toxicity of relationships um, because it is familiar, but it's not necessarily what they want. However, as an upside, as bleak as things appear to be on a regular basis, excuse me, my desire for relationship, connection, a family, a legacy has not descended, nor have I lost hope that I will find what I seek, no matter how the meme changes, nor how the status quo seems to be. I still press. I feel that. And that's, I mean, that's good. That's good that you're not giving up hope, even though you can clearly see, um, you know, just on social media alone that people are like, I don't know, like just odd as fuck at this point. Like you just, you just mm-hmm. know that the motherfuckers are not, I don't, know, I don't even know what the word I'm looking for, but they're just not all there at times. Uh, they just seem a little bit. Like you, like, I don't know. Not smart. Just that's that's Every, everybody ain't for everybody. Rest you. You gonna need a, everybody here needs a special type of woman to deal with their personality. It's just what it is. Yeah. And every female out here needs a special kind of dude to deal with their personalities and yeah. their communication styles. Then choose your favorite type of crazy and work with it. You written on uh, dead ass though. Dead ass. Right. Do you think? Also... Oh, go ahead, Cody. Oh, I was just going to say, I also hope, I don't know if Russ, you're the type to sometimes like overthink things to a point where it's kind of, (laughs) (laughs) well, no, I'm just, I, where, where you're thinking bad thoughts that aren't even relevant to anything, you know, it's like, I, I, I've been having a, I don't know, mental debate with myself about the difference with like analyzing, investigating and to a point where you're not overthinking or to, you know, to not cross that line that can get dangerous. I was watching um, uh, Zorro the other day, going with um, Antonio Banderas. Antonio Banderas, nice. The Banderas. Puss in boots. And Anthony Hopkins said something that was really relevant to kind of how I put things in perspective. It's um, you should only be engaging things that come into your circle if they're coming to combat you or coming to connect with you. Um, a lot of times we reach outside our circle or we don't know the realm or the area of our circle. And so we reach for things that are outside it, um, which causes us stress and, and, and pain and helps us, I guess, engage in more loss than we should. Um, when we should have been focusing on things that were currently in our circle to either expand the circle of influence that we have or to better protect or strengthen the circle that we currently have. And a lot of the times when it's something that's outside of my range of, of my circle of things that I can actually affect or that I can do nothing but worry about it, I try to not allow it to take residence in my mind. Um, so I focus on other things that I can work on or things that I can let go because most times those are the two things that we're dealing with, things that we can we affect and we can change and we can update or we can um, move around and other things that we have no control over that all we're doing is worrying ourselves to death about it when there's nothing we can do. Um, mm-hmm. So it, it's less stress to worry about. It's less things to, to focus on. And it kind of gives you this mental clarity to be like, okay, this is what I need to work on today. This is what I can get done today. This is what I can do, da, 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 and taking it one day at a time. 
My name's Russell, and I'm mentally healthy. Gerb, gerb, gerb. <laughs> I'm mentally, and I'm, I'm working wow. on it. <laughs> um, yeah, man, just living life, yo. <laughs> that kind of reminds me, because you were talking about, like, non-attachment thing, and that's, like, one of the books I'm reading, too, is the Bhagavad Gita about um, not being attached to th- certain things. Um, I well, actually, you told me you I need to write a book. Okay, I got you. <laughs> no, no, I'm reading all the good books, so anything that you write is not going to be good enough because I already read it. I'm just kidding. <laughs> How to get rid of friendship by Russell? All right. <laughs> no, but so through, so through one of my uh, one of my meditation apps, uh, there I saw that there was a part where you can ask a question, and it was kind of one of those like I'm going to ask a question. I don't expect an answer back, but I actually got an answer from a real person, not like a robo thing. And it was really cool. Um, so my question was, I said, in regards to non-attachment, how can we love like when it comes to family, child, spouse, while also not being attached? Is it possible? Um, cause after reading about like non-attachment stuff, I get it. Like you can't, there's no point in worrying about things that you don't have control over, but I don't know. Like, you know, like, if my girl's making me mad, well, I wouldn't be mad if I wasn't attached to her. You know, that's the confusion that I got. And <laughs> damn, basically, <laughs> halfway through her email back, she said, where the non-attachment comes in is more in regards to outcomes. Uh, for example, we may try in every way to provide a safe and happy environment for a child. We simply do not have control over all circumstances that may impact them. When we get attached to certain outcomes, i.e., always having a healthy body, mind, freedom from fear, getting into particular schools, etc. We can cause a lot of suffering for ourselves if the outcomes we may wish do not come to pass. Right. And that's funny because that's um, a thing they teach in the whole dating and relationship thing as far as the pickup artist, not being attached to outcomes. Your outcome, your, uh, your, your focus should not be on um, whether or not I get this girl. Your approach should be how have I developed into a better person by doing this. Is there something that I can work on? Is there something I can change? Um, just observing and being present in the moment to where you're not focused on achieving a certain thing and you let things happen naturally. Um, so yeah, it's it's so it's so crazy how all this stuff is so connected, but we choose to focus on whatever we, we want to based on where we are or what we're trying to do. Definitely. So yes, I'm out. What you got? <laughs> So um, I was actually hoping that we uh, we maybe do a part two on the on this conversation. Cody brings up a a good thing or a good topic of uh, loving, but not being attached to an outcome. Yeah, I think yeah, I think we should definitely expand on that. Um, I, I mean, I don't know what you have for next week, but um, I, I would like to have that topic sooner or later and the pod that'd be dope sure sure matter of fact um when see me after class <laughs> i get because uh, i want to do some more research i don't want to just go from the things i remember i want to actually look into <laughs> look into stuff so um we'll post it in the group um and get that all figured out so that we can all come to the table with something to discuss or some questions or something cool, cool word cool. word well on the same topic of peeling back, this week, holy shit, Tuesday was fucked up. Oh my, yeah. 
Dude, Dude, back every Pierce and I were sending us stuff like every five minutes. That was a yeah, bad day. <laughs> it was nuts, and it wasn't just from one news site. Like we were getting stuff from Facebook, Twitter, uh, Fox Six, Daily yeah. Mail, NBC. <laughs> there's this, there's so many different NBC. news stories. Wait, this and, this Tuesday? What did I miss? Where was I at? Oh well, let me fill you in on the topic of um, healing things back. There's a teenager who degloves his penis and inverts his scrotum in a bike crash. Oh, so you missed that? So no bikes. Got it. All right. (laughs) As reported, this 14-year-old boy was cycling one-handed at walking pace along pavement while holding a drink when he collided with a parked car. Somehow the handlebars ended up impaling his groin oh. and and oh. gloved him. <laughs> He's like, Hi, I'm <laughs> Oh God. Well, it didn't cut it off. So he wasn't quite Caitlin. He was like Inside out, but you know. Yeah, he was inside out. So it was like looking at a dog's penis, I'm guessing. Uh, but uh, Red Rocket. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um Good. The good news, <laughs> the good news is that um, he went into the hospital and he was released the next day with antibiotics and everything. And after four weeks, they followed up with him and he's able to do everything that he's supposed to be doing. Um, no issues, no complications. They didn't ask him if he can have sex because he's only a 14 year old boy. And that's <laughs> weird. But they're assuming that he'll be okay. I mean... I, I, I have no idea if they asked that. They just said that they have no idea if his sexual functions and stuff like that worked. It wasn't asked. But I think I every can, other functionality works, supposedly. I think I can speak for this 14-year-old boy when I say, y'all should figure out if my shit gonna work, even if it don't not supposed to work hey, now. Let me hey, know if my if shit gonna work. Nah, nah, nah. Go ahead and... Figure it out. Ask the questions, mom. Please. We'll say we'll say you get in an accident, and then it turns out that your shit works. Okay? Does that not mean that you're gonna get laid? Because the girl's gonna look at that and be like, "No, get away from me, you demon boy. <laughs> <laughs> you alien freak with a benzino blood." So yeah, that, that's the red rocket. <laughs> Yo, wait. Doctors say that um, in order to prevent future handlebar accidents and things like this for other people, because this actually isn't. An uncommon thing. Oh, it doesn't. It doesn't happen super often, but it's not uncommon. Uh, they say that you should put two plastic, hands. <laughs> you should put plastic on the outside of your handlebars to make sure that that's covered. Oh, there's, kind of. <laughs> yeah, there's usually a cap on the out on the outer parts of your handlebars. Oh, that's what happened. So he didn't have those rubber uh, handlebar. Gotcha. Yep. Yep. Ugh. I don't need any more clues to this visual, dude. Right. Oh, <laughs> I ran out of them because there wasn't any more in the article. Oh, I guess I got some. Um, <laughs> well, and then, so I had to do a top two because there was like 20. So we'll probably be sitting on these for the next couple of weeks. Unless next Tuesday is just as fucked up as this past week, Tuesday. <laughs> but um, Azalea Banks. Oh, God. Uh, I know this one. This oh, yeah. For picking up her dead cat and yeah. cooking and you now, need to cut it. She did that shit on Instagram Live. She didn't even do this privately. She was proud that's of it. That's got to be a federal crime. Well, not federal, but that's got to be a crime. It's got to be a, at least a state. Don't. No. It was, <laughs> Neighborhood crime. Right. It was her cat. It was her cat, and she plans that to use the matter. Make, uh, <laughs> uh, 
he plans to use the cat's bones to make jewelry. And witchcraft. Has he ever yeah, heard of well, Pet Cemetery? Cat. The name of this cat was Lucifer. Oh, wow. God. Here we fucking She's going to make go, the, the star in the circle with candles and everything. Mama say, Mama say, Mama say, Mama say, Mama say, Mama say, Mama Oh lord! So um, yeah. I am depressed. <laughs> Those are the- <laughs> That's what the cat said. <laughs> uh, this week, and as far as fun facts go, I was gonna look one up, but I think it was really cool that uh, Cody brought up the Richard thing, all being pigeonholed into one uh, position. Ha! Pause. Super pause. But yes. Wait, what? Good. All the rich guys in the NBA all played. Uh, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Nah. I did definitely say that, and totally remembered that I said that. Yeah. Hi, I go to this church sometimes. <laughs> Episode ninety-one of Not Politically Correct is the homie TS, aka C Nova. You know I gotcha, and you can find me on Twitter at C Nova KPZ McCoy. It's your boy McCoy, it's aka Mister. What it do, aka Young Splash Guy. And you can find me on uh, Twitter at McCoy KPZ. Cody, who are who is Cody and not me? Hi, I'm silly. <laughs> I see to record everything. Don't right. leave me unattended. Wes, the barman, Eddie Russ, Blue Fingers, Scores, Cues, Preventer, Kid Universal, rest of us. Yeah. And rewind it <laughs> to figure out where I'm from. You can find him in St. Louis. And on that note, gang.